My boys were in high school. My wife and I both worked. Life was busy, but we knew we had to get outside to stay happy. Fridays, we could have the camping gear in the car and hit the road to Yosemite by 5.30. But then there was the food. I'm Kip Clifton, and I started Fireside Provisions to help people like me get out of the city and go camp more easily and more often. Just go to firesideprovisions.com before your next camping trip. Choose from a variety of affordable meals created by award-winning chefs. Then select your dates and number of friends. We'll deliver the food straight to your door the day before you leave. Fireside Provisions, delicious meals made for the outdoors. You're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries, a production of Duct Tape Thin Beer, with additional support from Patagonia, Kuat Racks, and REI. We'd all been so cocky. During late night fires, we'd spoken of our crack climbing resumes. Lynn, my girlfriend, had honed her skills while living a year in Yosemite. Kyler, one of my best friends, had climbed towers and cracks all over the West. I am a shitty trad climber, but after the fear reduces itself to a hissing broth in the ballpark of competent. But I'd also been bouldering almost exclusively for a year on the road. I hadn't stood on anything more than 35 feet tall in ages, and at any rate, 5'11 had always challenged the limits of my crack-leading abilities. Scottish Trevor and Lana Banana? No worries. Scottish Trevor, he doesn't worry about heady leads. He doesn't worry about utility bills either, or the time of day, or even what day it is. He doesn't worry about impending nuptials, even his own. Everyone else, I had no idea how to judge their skill levels. Most of us had all just met on the road over the past year of climbing from Colorado to California. We'd come together as a band of wanderers, clinging to a mysterious group dynamic that had forged friendships over the long miles of driving and sketchy top-outs and endless jokes. We'd seen Jer Bear trying to figure four his way up boulder problems, which was worrisome. Ginger Josh had trad gear stowed in his van again, and that was a good thing. But he also had two mountain bikes, a set of bocce balls, and a much-loved Settlers of Catan game board. The only thing I'd never seen him using was a trad gear. Uncle Brian was an ace at drunken slam poetry, guzzled Canadian hunter whiskey, and bouldered like a leaf floating on the breeze. Beyond that, we couldn't be sure of much. Sarah, I think, had climbed Castleton a long time ago. We'd lived in the present for so long that a discourse on the past or future had seemed pointless. The days and months on the road had unspooled before us, and we'd simply follow the thread. But the bobbin was empty now. Scottish Trevor and Lana were headed to Colorado for the summer, as were Lynn, Kyler, and I. Uncle Brian and Ginger Josh had jobs in the Rockies for a month, but then it was back to Seattle. Sarah would continue on, and Lord only knows what Jerbear would get up to. Fine Jade would be the last cumulative now we shared, the final adventure we'd have as a group at least on this trip, maybe ever. Parties veered off behind us to take on Castleton, 
A 400-foot finger of Wingate sandstone separated from the rectory by a saddle of dust and stone. We had the route to ourselves. We sat around examining our options. In the plus category, it was early. We had plenty of daylight to do whatever it was we were capable of. In the minus category, our capabilities did not allow a quick three-team ascent of fine jade. Diplomatically stated, we were not efficient. Or fast. Or brilliantly talented. The sun would disappear before we'd even begin repels. Leading the route was definitely out of the question. I exhaled a long, slow sigh of relief. I did not try to hide it. Weddings are supposed to be joyful, no? We finally opted to set up a top-rope belay station above each pitch. Lana Banana would tag a line as she followed Scottish Trevor's lead, thereby fixing a top-rope for the next party. That would be Kyler and myself, who would also tag a line. And then Lynn and Sarah, and then Uncle Brian and Ginger Josh and Jerbear. Gumby-style, for sure, but whatever. If a Gumby can excel at one thing, and one thing only, it's dipshit ingenuity. Ever solid, Scottish Trevor launched up the first pitch of overhanging off with. The remaining seven in our climbing-come-wedding party shed layers after the brutal hike and splayed ourselves on the red rocks. Lana Banana followed quickly and surely, maybe cursing a bit on that first 40 feet, a slightly overhung, flaring wide crack. We all cursed through that first 40. Kyler and I grunted and howled up the next pitch, through fists to thin hands to fingers and finally to the ledge. Standing there barefoot and sunbaked, Lana Banana craned her neck up to Scottish Trevor, out of sight and booking through the 511A bulging finger crack above. After Kyler and I set up our rope, Lynn and Sarah began dancing with those fists down below. And so it went. Climbing from station to station, party reaching party, each of Fine Jade's three pitches accounted for, something like a terribly faulty communication network began to assemble itself. Simple reports of ascent became twisted and morphed as they shot up or down the route. Rumors flew from belay station to belay station, growing more distorted and disfigured the further they got from the source. Trevor was naked on top, running around. Jerbear was starting up the second pitch. Uncle Brian decided not to climb. He freaked. We had little idea what our friends were up to above and below. The wind stole our shouts and, at any rate, Four separate parties in the same desert tower makes for a muddy social grapevine. It's not until you reach the top that the mess is sorted out, the truth of each party's adventure revealed. The final climbers, Uncle Brian and Ginger Josh, eventually popped into view on top of the rectory, Castleton looming behind, a few hours after our ascent began. Jerbear, the 18-year-old we'd folded into our much older crew, had actually been the one to opt out after jugging the first pitch on ascenders. He'd grown nauseous, clipping into the anchors, swirly-headed. Jerbear quickly acknowledged he wasn't quite ready for desert tower climbing. Resigned to humiliation, he'd bailed and was now sunning himself on the rocks below, slowly turning lobster red and waving each time we poked our heads over the edge of the rectory. But he found no humiliation. He had tried, and that's all that counts in this game. There's no shame in backing down, especially when you're an 18-year-old novice boulderer who launched an endless road trip driving a broke-down, fender-mangled, convertible Mazda Miata. Really, that's shame enough. The eight of us spun into action atop the vast patio of the rectory. Scottish Trevor slipped on a kilt, 
a tuxedo t-shirt, and a bulbous brown party afro. Transformed from dirtbag climber to dirtbag groom, he sat on a ledge and tinkered with his vows, whispering to himself and scribbling down a future he saw fit to promise. Lana Banana donned a frilly white onesie and pink tutu. The girl slipped flowers into her hair, a stunning acid trip bride. Sarah unfurled a python-sized blue boa and draped it over her shoulders. Kyler took off his flannel and knotted it backwards around his waist, an impromptu kilt. Uncle Brian did the same after sliding a tuxedo vest over his tan torso and draping a platinum blonde wig above his bearded face. My kilt was a plaid pillowcase, wrapped around my waist and bound by an oval carabiner. I pulled on a white t-shirt which I'd fashioned while Scottish Trevor flew up the first pitch. Scrawled across the front was Dirtbag Ministry Co-op. I'd dropped $40 online a few weeks before and by some mystifying legality had become an ordained minister. Shouldn't we have had, like, a rehearsal or something? asked Lena Banana. She was right, of course. The excitement of the adventure had sabotaged the little pragmatism we possess. We were totally unprepared for her wedding day. I think this is the rehearsal, said Sarah, her boa shedding feathers atop the rectory. Relying on memories of weddings attended, we arranged ourselves accordingly, Scottish Trevor still worrying over his vows and Ginger Josh pulling up the Here Comes the Bride processional on his iPhone. Scottish Trevor would stand next to me on my pulpit, a slight outcropping of pink sandstone. Kyler, best man and wedding photographer, and Sarah would follow down the aisle. Next came Lynn, the maid of honor, and Ginger Josh. Finally, Uncle Brian, his platinum mane shimmering in the afternoon sun, would escort Lana Banana down the aisle, arm in arm. Satisfied, we queued up. Scottish Trevor stood next to me, his vows tucked into his afro. I tried my best to look official, picking at my tape gloves and silently going over the ceremony speech. The procession began, kilted and boa-wrapped attendees slow walking down the rocky aisle and finding their places literally feet from the void. Ginger Josh flipped on Here Comes the Bride, Uncle Brian wiped away a fake tear, and Lena Banana and Scottish Trevor entered into marriage atop one of the finest desert towers on the planet, the views endless and uncapped. It's funny how this life uncoils before you. The nine of us knew little of each other, but shared everything. From blurry bottles of cheap whiskey to bouldering above sketchy landings to this final reliance upon one another to get up a few pitches and see to it that our friends got hitched in style. Love had brought Lana Banana and Scottish Trevor together, while climbing had affixed us one to the other in their wake. Dirtbag theology in motion, in its finest incarnation, looks something like this. With climbing, the strange masonry of our friendship was made possible. With climbing in the road, Huddled around campfires, together, anything was possible. I nearly cried as I read from their wedding speech, but, I must note, did not. Relying heavily on what I'd come to think of as dirtbag theology, religious theory interpreted through climbing, sustained by migration, fomented by love, drawing breath amongst the rocks, conventional only because it is. Lynn's chin quivered. Scottish Trevor honked his laughter and Lena Banana giggled as she pulled her vows from her cleavage. Someone told Ginger Josh to turn off the processional music already. A rogue boa feather leapt into the abyss and Kyler, his ass hanging out from his knotted kilt, bent in close for a photograph. 
I'm Dave McAllister, and this is my short. The shorts are made possible by Fireside Provisions. Whether you're car camping or backpacking, let Fireside plan the food for you. Go to firesideprovisions.com and choose from delicious meals like the Golden Gate, spicy tuna, sesame seeds, crumbled nori, and a fiery sriracha kick served with pita bread. They'll deliver the ingredients straight to your door. Fireside, great meals for every adventure. Additional support comes from Patagonia, REI, and from Kuat Wraps makers of good-looking, easy-to-use roof racks and hitch racks. Check out their lineup at kuatracks.com. Ever felt something following you in the woods? Discovered something surreal dangling from a tree branch? Seen something that couldn't have really been there? You have two more days to send us your tale of terror. Just type it up, a thousand words or less, and email it to editor at ducttapethanbeer.com by the end of the weekend. A huge thank you to Dave McAllister for sharing his story. You can find more of Dave's writing at thundercling.com. Like Undercling, but Thunder. Music today from Amy Stolzenbach and Publish the Quest. Jacob Bain and Nice Koto composed our theme song. As always, you can find links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was scored and mixed by Jacob Bain and produced by Fitz Cahal and me, Jen Alchel. Becca Cahal is our executive producer. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Thanks for tuning in.